Hi, I'm Megan Hillica, a grieving mother turned grief coach. I now support, guide, and offer tools to navigate the unthinkable of child loss to other moms who also know this pain. I help you go from empty, lost, and broken to learning to carry your grief and live alongside it. If there's one thing I want you to see, it's hope. Hope that there's life after loss. Hope that there's so much more for you and encouragement that you're normal. All of this is possible along with never forgetting or moving on from your baby or child. I'm holding on to hope for you until you are ready to hold it yourself. Welcome to Grieving Moms Podcast. Hey there, welcome to another podcast episode on Grieving Moms Podcast. This is episode number 68, and we are going to be talking about ants' thoughts. So let me let me explain. So I recently listened to a book called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life by Dr. Daniel Amen. It really is an incredible book, though it's very deep and complex in some parts and very, very, very long. I came across a part in the book that was absolutely fascinating to me and connects with what I talk about with thoughts so often. Um, he just has a little bit different perspective, and I love his perspective, and I want to share it with you today. And he laid them out as different types of ants. So I'm really excited to dive into this today. But first, I wanted to ask you that if you like this podcast, could you please go right and review it? Um, this really helps other people find the podcast. And also make sure that you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. Um, just as a reminder, they come out every Thursday. So there is a quote from the book. There's a few quotes that I just love that I have to share. So I just feel like I connect with them because it's what I talk about and share and teach as well. So he says, thoughts are real and they have a direct impact on how you feel and how you behave. Every time you have a mad thought, an unkind thought, a sad thought, or a cranky thought, your brain releases negative chemicals that activate your limbic system and make your mind and body feel bad. As another quote, you don't have to believe every thought that goes through your head. It's important to think about your thoughts to see if they help you or hurt you. Unfortunately, if you never challenge your thoughts, you just believe them as if they were true. These negative thoughts invade your mind like ants in a picnic or in my kitchen. One negative thought like one ant at a picnic is not a big deal. Two or three negative thoughts, like two or three ants at a picnic, become more irritating, and 10 or 20 negative thoughts can cause real problems. So I want to dive into the types of ants. He has quite a few different types of ants, and, you know, because he went to describing these like the ants at the picnic or whatever. So the first one I want to talk about is all or nothing thinking. This is um, like the all good or all bad, just like I talked about a couple weeks ago on the podcast. There's not room for anything in between. Someone is all good or all bad and life is or the situation that you are in is all good or bad. And with grief, it's really hard. Yeah, I know that it's really intense, but it is a blend of many things. It is not just all bad. And I want to say to remember that life is 50-50 and that there is room for middle ground in your grief as well. The next one I want to talk about is always thinking. This is something that um, when you, when there's something that happened that you say will always repeat itself. So the thing with always thinking is it's not usually accurate. It usually has a few nuances in it, but it's hard to see past the always. An example could be, 
Um, maybe you feel like no one ever reaches out to me, nobody supports me. And even though you might have had people reach out, but maybe there's one person who didn't. And so it's never, it's never nobody reaches out, even though there has been, maybe there has been people there for you. And how does it make you feel? It really doesn't make you feel good when you just think nobody cares about me, nobody ever reaches out. And you can't see because that's what you're thinking. You're, you know, you're thinking that this, nobody ever reaches out, nobody ever cares. Um, you can't see the people who do care. You can't see the people who are reaching out. Another thing would be that nobody understands what I'm going through. No one understands. And how does that make you feel? I have had this thought myself, and when I've thought that, it really puts me in a really low place and feels really hard to connect with anyone because nobody understands. Nobody, I can't connect with anyone because no one gets it. So with always thinking, it's like words, like always, never, no one, everyone, every time, and everything. And this is a really common one. And I guess before I go on, I just want to say, like, as always, we're leading with compassion, curiosity. I like, I don't want you to hear these things and start beating yourself, you know, up immediately if you feel like, oh, this is what I'm doing. These are things we all do. These are things, there's a reason why, you know, he's talking about them and wrote out these things because we all do them. And the thing which I think is so beautiful is the more aware you can become of them, that's when you can start to change things. That's when you can take some control back in your life. So really know that these are tools to support you and help you, not to use as weapons against yourself to start judging yourself. So, okay, I just wanted to get that out of the way. <laughs> so focusing on the negative. Um, this is when you only focus on the bad and ignore the good. And I want to be clear here that you don't have to look for the good or find the good in your baby or child's death. Um, that's not what I'm trying to encourage here. Or that you need to reach for, you know, the toxic positivity and trying to be all happy all the time. But how often do you focus on what's going wrong? What's not working? How everyone around you is doing it wrong, being wrong, hurting you, or maybe how you are bad, wrong, or not enough, not doing it right. How often do you look for the good or notice that your thoughts can be questioned? There's a saying that what you focus on grows. And I use this concept with my coaching clients, especially when working with guilt. If you are looking through the lens of guilt, and what you have done wrong, you are focusing on all the reasons why you should be at fault. Um, and like why the reason that you, why you are the reason that your child is no longer here. And when you realize that that's the lens in which you are looking through and focusing on all the reasons why you should be guilty, that's when you can begin to choose to focus on something else if you want. That's when you can begin to choose um, to question those thoughts. So question um, what you're noticing and looking at because when you focus on that, that is what you're bringing to your life. That's what you see. That's what you notice. That's what your brain brings to you because that's what you're telling it to look for. So I also want to point out that gratitude and focusing on the good can walk side by side with grief. There are horrible, horrible and painful parts of grief. And there are parts that the sun shines and you can see the beauty because you have seen so much darkness. Because you have seen the depth of despair, you can also see some beauty. And feeling gratitude is available to you at any time. And it does not negate or take away grief. 
It never takes away grief. They can both exist, but life is, for me, it's sure better and lighter when you can feel grateful too. So he has some um, descriptions of red ants. So these are like the most poisonous ones. So this is a red ant. Um, This one's fortune telling. This is where you predict the worst possible outcome to a situation. And of course, with the death of your baby or child, that you have lived through the worst possible outcome or situation. I know this is real for you and it's something you have actually lived. But if you're anything like me, then you predict that it will happen again and again. And so what kind of state does that leave you in? For me, it left me in really deep anxiety and fear. It's like trying to predict the future. And I think that anxiety stems a lot from that. Like I've heard depression is in the past and anxiety is in the future. And we can't know the future and we can't do anything to change it. I'm not saying that this is something easy to just like, you know, oh yeah, it's all good. You just know that you can't do anything to change it. I know it's far from easy um, for my own life too, but it's so helpful to acknowledge that these are just thoughts and just because you're thinking them doesn't mean they're real or that they're going to happen. So you can question your thoughts, okay? So another red ant is mind reading. Uh, (laughs) This is, I do this a lot. This is when you believe that you know what another person is thinking when they haven't even told you. And Dr. Amen says, please don't read my mind. I have enough trouble reading it myself. And I'm like, wow, that is a good thing to say because we can't even read our own minds. How are we supposed to be reading other people's and actually have it right? How many times do you have it wrong, you know, about other what they're thinking? So I have totally been a chronic mind reader. Um, I totally have had situations where I had a conversation and then I go home and replay that conversation and worry about what their thoughts were about that and what they were thinking. And, you know, did I say this and did that make them feel a certain way when I really don't have any control over it and I have no idea what they're thinking. So why am I like getting into a depressed state about it and worrying about it now? So I want to just share maybe like a a loss side of this one. One that comes up with loss is when people ask me, how are you doing? How do I respond to that? Um, I don't know what to say because I don't think that they actually want to know the truth. I don't want to say I'm fine and I don't want to tell them because they don't actually want to hear how I'm doing. And how does that make you feel when you're thinking that? It's usually horrible, angry, shut down, like don't even want to talk to them, don't want to talk to anybody because they might ask you that question, don't even know how to respond to it. And so I actually was working through this with a client and I asked her, what, what if you don't know what they're thinking? What if you don't actually know? why they're asking this question. And so if we don't know why they're asking, wouldn't you rather pick something that feels better for you? And wouldn't you rather pick something that makes you feel better since you don't know why they're asking anyways? So what if every time someone asks you how you're doing, like a friend, I don't want to say like anyone, you know, where somebody says, oh, how are you? Like at the store or something, but say a friend asks you, And you think, wow, they care and want to know. And then you share. Instead of questioning and wondering if they really do, 
Because then you are getting into mind reading and we have no idea what's going on in other people's minds. So the next one is thinking with your feelings. This is when you believe your feelings without ever questioning them. There has been a movement to normalize feelings and allow feelings, which I love. I think it's really important. But I there's a difference between feelings and emotions. It's really important to allow your emotion and process it and feel it and experience it. But there's this part that just because you have a you feel a certain way doesn't mean it's true. So allow room for your emotion and feelings, but you don't have to believe them. An example would be with spouses who are grieving their baby or child and one of them says to the other that I don't feel like I feel like you didn't love our child. I feel like you are not grieving in the right way. And just because you feel something doesn't mean it's true. It really is a fine line of balancing your emotion but not letting feelings that are not always true to rule your life. When you have a strong negative feeling, noticing it and questioning it is so helpful. Take a look at it. Notice that strong negative feeling and just really check it out. Okay, another one is guilt beatings. Guilt is typically not a helpful emotion. And yet I've hardly met grieving moms who don't feel guilt and don't beat themselves up and feel like they have changed that, like they could have changed the outcome of their child's death. I kind of separate this into like the guilt of what has happened in the past like relating to your child's death and the guilt, um, what you feel like you should be doing now that you aren't doing that you're like beating yourself up over. So these are words when you're feeling guilt, it's like should, must, ought, or have to. And so I do an exercise in my life after child loss program that goes into I should. It's like letting go of all the things that you should do in your life, noticing them. What are the things that are like this weight on you, all the things you should do that you're, that the guilt and stress of saying you should be doing only makes it harder to do and you don't want to do. And really like noticing those things, writing them out, and then replacing the I should with saying, if I really wanted to, I could, or allowing yourself to choose something and to, to choose it is so much more useful because you want to do it and you you would rather do it rather than being forced to do it. So another ant, labeling. When you attach a label to yourself or someone else, it doesn't allow you to take a clear look at the picture. In terms of grief, labels could be complicated grief, PTSD, broken, lost, cause. All of these put a cap in your mind of what's possible. If your label yourself is broken, why bother trying to get any help? Because you're so broken that, that there's nothing you can do anyways, right? Or what about labeling others around you as idiots, jerks, or whatever? Then you lump someone into that category, and you can't take a step back and see anything else except that you believe them to be a jerk. And then you notice those jerk actions. Um, so noticing the labels you give to yourself or to other people can be so, so helpful. Okay, here's another red ant. This is blaming. So this is really all about not taking personal responsibility for your life. And you are blaming other people for the problems in your life. This is really toxic because it takes away any control that you have for yourself and gives it to everyone else around you. And when you can stop blaming others and start noticing what you do have control over, That is when you can start to change 
you can change things in your life. And I did, like I said earlier, I don't want to have you start beating yourself up or being like, oh, what's wrong with me? Because we all do this. And I do this often. It is probably the biggest ant in my head. But it has been so incredible in noticing that I do this. Um, and that I can take the responsibility for my part of the situation and not to suddenly blame myself for it by taking responsibility. There's a difference between taking responsibility for yourself in your own life and blaming yourself. But it's really to acknowledge that this was my role in it. It helps me to be able to be calmer in an argument and move forward quicker in disagreements. I have been known to blame my husband for everything. Um, that has been kind of our pattern for many years. And nowadays, since I've learned about my thoughts, I can catch them and question if it's true before automatically telling my husband that he's a problem when really that's not true and it wasn't true and it hasn't been true. It's just been my thought patterns and what I have, have thought that, you know, this was his fault. It's all his fault. If anything that happened, it was never my fault. I couldn't take responsibility for it. And now I can take responsibility for it. And it's so much less conflict. It's so much nicer. And I don't have to give all my power. I don't have to be in this grumpy place all the time saying that it's everyone else's fault because that's a lot of control you're giving away to everyone else, all your emotions when you can't control anybody. And you like, there's nothing you can do to change what other people are doing, but you can change what you are doing. So I know this was a lot of different ants and thoughts and ways of looking at thoughts. And I really hope it was helpful. I do. I, I think this thought work is so incredibly important. It is so needed and so valuable. And if this thought work intrigues you and you're interested in learning more about thoughts and how you can begin to question the thoughts that you are having, that you do have in your grief, I do have a few one-on-one -on -one coaching spots open and I'd love, love to help you. You do not have to keep suffering with this. You don't have to keep living this way. And to learn more, you can go to meganhelica.com slash grief coaching. I would really, really love to see you in there. You can apply and let's see if, if it's a good fit for both of us. Um, I hope this was a helpful episode for you and it really starts to open up your mind to thoughts and how important they are and how they can really trigger different chemical reactions in your body, whether you're feeling negative or positive thought, or, you know, thinking negative or positive thoughts and that they bring your emotions to you. And so our feelings and how you can have so much more control over them. So I just want to send you a big hug. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next week. Take care. Well, this episode of Grieving Moms podcast is over. You can join me and other grieving mothers in my free Facebook group to continue conversations of all things life after child loss. Go to www.meganhillica.com slash community to join us there. If you like this podcast, could you please share it with other grieving mothers so that they can also find hope in life after loss and to know that they are never alone.